episode of Fermented Adventure is brought to you by Fermented Adventure. Dawn, we have a new shirt design. We sure do. Dawn, what's our new shirt design? I have mixed drinks about feelings. Now, I have mixed drinks about feelings. How do people find I have mixed drinks about feelings? They go on our website at fermentedadventure.com. They can click on the apparel tab and it'll take them right to our merchandise. So click on the apparel tab. They'll find our brand new shirt design and they'll find other shirt designs as well. Other shirt designs as well. We have tanks, tees, hoodies, glasses, a bunch of different things. And we can still find tequila or cerveza made me do it as well, right? You can find that there as well. And if you want to be fashionable through the rest of the summer, we also have some podcast shirts for people to wear and enjoy going around and saying, hey, you listen to the Fermented Adventure podcast too? Yes. And don't forget our May Contain Whiskey shirt too. So go to FermentedAdventure.com, click on the apparel tab, buy the merchandise. Cheers! Ladies and gentlemen, craft spirit enthusiasts, and those interested in the intoxicating world of craft distilleries, cideries, meaderies, wineries, and the occasional foray into breweries. It's Rich Shane, and welcome to Fermented Adventure, the podcast, where we bring you the fascinating people that are making the mash, fermenting, distilling, bottling, pouring, and delivering to you some of the finest libations in the world. Before we get started, here are a few housekeeping items. Thank you for bringing the podcast into wherever you are and whatever you're doing. We truly are grateful that you've chosen to listen and make us part of your day. It would mean the world to us if you left a five-star review. This helps us climb in the rankings and it makes it easier for others to find us. Don't hesitate to leave us your comments as well. If the podcast didn't meet your expectations, tell us why. We're always striving to improve. You can find us at fermentedadventure.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook as Fermented Adventure. Email us at fermentedadventure at gmail.com. All right, FA Nation, let's meet our guests. He's Dave Schmier. I'm Rich Shane. This is Fermented Adventure, the podcast. And I am Dave. I am crazy excited. We get to talk Proof and Wood Ventures today. And we're going to talk whiskey. We've got rum. We've got rye. We've got bourbon. We've got all kinds of things here to, to talk about. Um, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Good morning, or is it good afternoon? Good evening. When is this air? It depends on when somebody's listening. So that's okay, uh, right now we're recording it at 6 a.m. So. <laughs> and that's Hawaiian time, right? <laughs> Something like that. So welcome to the podcast, Dave. So, you know, here's the thing. We got a chance to talk a little bit at Bar Convent Brooklyn and, you know, just a few minutes to meet you and Proof and Wood Ventures just wasn't enough. So I'm excited to have this long form opportunity to have a conversation with you. How did Proof and Wood Ventures get started? Uh, how did Proof and Wood Ventures get started? Well, uh, going going back a little bit in um, and, and there's history before that, but maybe save that for another day. But in 2010, I co-founded Redemption Rye, and we sold that in 2015. Uh, and that was an exciting, fun journey. And it, it's great to see the, the brand continue to prosper. But clearly, I, I wasn't done. And like 48 hours after we sold it, I, I started Proof and Wood. And the name Proof and Wood kind of is a, is a nod to the fact that I don't distill at least not presently. And, you know, we're, we're proud independent bottlers. Some people would say sorcerers or, or frauds, depending on how you're looking at it. <laughs> but yeah, we, we like to talk about what we do and, and what we have control of in, in a real simple sense is um, how old the, the whiskey is or other spirit, and, which is how long it's been in wood. And uh, and what we bottle it at, you know, there, there's a, a different uh, different profile that you're going to get with the same whiskey uh, at 80 proof versus maybe a, a barrel proof at 110. And and so we try to find the expressions that that, you know, kind of adhere to both my taste and what what I think people are looking for. Now, now, you mentioned a number of different things. I would characterize you, is it safe to say, as a blender as well, as you're sourcing these whiskeys from different areas, different ages, and things of that nature? That is correct, yeah. So, so that's a big part of what we do. How I'm you know, going back to redemption, but prior to that, 
How did you, you know, what was the inception for you to become involved in whiskey and your love of whiskey? Um, wow. Uh, so uh, going way back, uh, I had a lot of jobs in kind of the retail uh, area in terms of managing bars and restaurants and, you know, working in every position in bars and restaurants. So I, I saw a lot of what was going on. And from there, created a, a marketing agency that dealt almost exclusively with um, with beverages. And we were pretty successful. We worked with some brands like Absolute and Anheuser-Busch and uh, things like that. So we got a lot of exposure, what was going on around the country. Um, and I kind of started picking up, uh, you know, bottles of whiskey and, and started drinking Manhattans at one point. Um, and, and the great thing about Manhattans, when you start making them yourself, you're exposed to kind of the idea of balance in a cocktail and, and where the flavors are coming from in a really simple sense. Um, and uh, I was fortunate to attend uh, Gaz Regan's uh, Cocktails in the Country class around 2000, where I was introduced to rye whiskey. And that kind of opened the door again with the Manhattan, like, wow, this added another dimension. Because ever since then, I was a big fan of rye um, and there wasn't much of it available. Um, and, and, you know, so I continued to drink that. I, I had a, a slight foray into uh, launching a vodka brand, though even when I was selling vodka, I was drinking whiskey. And again, much longer story that maybe maybe we need some more whiskey and more time. Uh, but kind of in this industry, you, you make a lot of friends doing similar stupid things that you're doing. And uh, my friend Mike had opened up his own bottling plant around 2009 down in Kentucky. I moved my vodka production there, spent a lot of time, and we, we drank a lot of whiskey down there. And one day decided that we should put something together. And, and that's when we, quote unquote, discovered the LDI distillery, which is the old Seagram's distillery, now known as MGP. And I say discovered because it just wasn't really well known outside real small circles of people. But the place is enormous and they had a lot of whiskey. But the best part about it is the whiskey was really, really good. And, and so we were able to kind of kind of capture that at, at a moment in time and, and, and bring that to people. You've got, there's so many places we can go with that. And, you know, the branding idea, the marketing stuff uh, aspect of that, where do you feel that, you know, I'm looking at, you know, you've got a, a wide variety of SKUs and uh, expressions. Um, you, how do you go about sourcing right now uh, your, your impressions on where the whiskey or bourbon or rye market is as far as, you know, gaining access to enough that you have supply to provide the different blends and the different expressions that you have. And it's like an 18 part question, Dave, but sure it is. <laughs> so, so how do you, you know, and, and again, how do you keep the, the consistency of, of, of each one? So obviously accessing, you know, the different juices, how are you finding access to those right now? Well, we get to that going back to some, uh, like you said, an 18 part question <laughs> and we'll try to keep that. See, this is, I'm so excited. That's why I said just a few minutes at bar comment wasn't enough because there's so many questions. I, I'm, I'm like overflowing with things I, I love to know and share with our listeners. Yeah. And I think we met at the Widow Jane Distillery that we should always give them a nod for, for being gracious hoster and bar convent. Yes. And again, back to, um, you know, the community that that is the whiskey world. It, it's great to to be able to, you know, enjoy their hospitality and and, and you know, and, and, and meet great new people while you're there. Um, so the, the question about consistency and 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 blending and that kind of thing, um, I still use a lot of whiskey from MGP. And, you know, that I've been working with them for probably over 12 years now. And the great thing about what they do, again, there's been a distillery there since about 1850, give or take. And so they, they kind of figured out what they're doing, uh, one would say. 
and and they have you know a, an approach to it that's you know half science half craft like i think every great distillery so the, the important thing there is there's a lot of consistency from that distillery so you know obviously there's variables with the wood and and, and aging and all that but you find there's a lot of consistency especially with younger whiskey from mgp so that makes kind of my job of blending a lot easier um, with, with different expressions. And then, you know, there were, I think, you know, everything is a little bit of uh, learning something new every day. And going back to my original whiskey, I mean, one of our challenges, we, we had a, a, an age uh, kind of range that, that we started with, and then there was no more of that whiskey available. So kind of learned how to try to balance older and younger whiskey to, to kind of maintain that profile. And, and then kind of moving forward, start experimenting with different flavors. Obviously, um, again, when the barrels get older, uh, you start to see more differences in flavor profiles. Um, so again, and depending what you're going for, um, you know, really simple, because that's what I'm all about, really simple is if you want kind of a really balanced flavor, you might find, you know, four really woody barrels and four overly sweet barrels. And you blend those together and you get something there. But then sometimes you want to, you know, move to one or, one or two extremes. You want something that appeals to people who do like um, a, a woody whiskey. And then some people are looking for something more traditional and sweeter, even pushing that further. So you look for barrels that might have those, those things and you, and you blend those together. Um, and then from there, um, starting to blend different whiskeys together to kind of create profiles and, and see how that works. If this is a conversation that I have quite often, if somebody's looking, I mean, do you give advice or do you have advice for somebody that's looking to do what you do? Or were, were there times that, I, I know you you had the relationship and the, the launching of redemption, but are there times when you stopped and said, you know what, this is just, there's too many hurdles or too many things involved in the way, maybe I just don't want to go down this road again. In, in what respect? Just just the sourcing, the the licensing, the launching, the branding, all those things. Because I talked to people all the time said, well, you know, you, you, could this be something that I could do? Is this something that, you know, you give a, that cautionary tale or, you know, just some ideas? Is, okay. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. Um, uh, certainly, you know, there is um, there's a lot of behind the scenes work that has to be done. We try to pretend that our job is, you know, all fun and games. People and see it, it as the glamorous side of going to a barrel house where, you know, you get those little sample bottles and they're different and you just try them and taste them and you put your order in. Right. And it's not that simple. N no. And, and, but, but let me be clear. I mean, uh, even bad days are probably more enjoyable than, than other people's good days at work. So I'm not complaining and there's, <laughs> there's none of that, but sometimes, you know, people don't see the back end of things and, and the challenges involved. And I think, you know, when I first started proof and wood, I remember having some kind of, it was a really small shipping issue, but it was a, a, a challenge. And I, I was thinking to myself, why am I doing this again? But then you get, you know, again, you get, especially the last couple of years, uh, with COVID and supply chain, I like to tell people I've become much more Zen, but the truth is I've just become numb and, you know, <laughs> oh, the truck with all my bottles flipped over. Okay. That's great. We'll figure that out. Um, but, you know, get back to the, the original question, you know, it's a challenge. Um, it, you know, I've been doing, I guess, boutique or small brands or independent brands, for well over 20 years and I've seen a lot of people go bankrupt and, and, and have a lot of challenges. So it, there's, there's low barriers to entry, especially now, but, but there's some high hurdles to success. Um, so, you, you know, you need to be prepared for, for, for the challenges. Some of them are, are strictly financial. Uh, some of them are logistical and, and just part of, you know, navigating through the three tier system. Um, so, 
And, and I think everyone who tries to do something, you know, they, they have a different approach and they have different goals. You know, some people want to be the next Sydney Frank and, and some people want to um, lean towards kind of the craft and the art and are focused on um, things that aren't necessarily about profit. And I, I think we try to, we try to create a balance between that, and, you know, have fun and have a, have a successful business and, and make our customers happy. Um, but, you know, it, it's become relatively easy for people to go out there and, and pick a barrel and create a brand. Uh, the, the harder part is long-term sustainability, whether it's having the resources. And, and currently, you had asked before about, uh, I think, supply, and that's become a lot more challenging as, as demand has grown. Um, and, and partially out of necessity and partially out of interest, uh, I've expanded the Proof and Wood Library to include, um, you know, some international whiskey, some rum, a uh, bunch of Canadian whiskey, um, things like that, and and expanding the distilleries that are producing for us. Do you find now, as you get that um, experience and you get that reputation in the industry, are these distilleries coming to you with some supply and saying, Hey, is this something, or is this a project you'd like to do? Uh, no, they, they'd rather go to people who would pay them more money. <laughs> uh, but, but I have some long-term relationships where, you know, and it, it's, it's fun to work with friends. Um, I have, uh, I had a small batch of uh, single malt produced by, by golden moon in Colorado, um, I've got a bunch of, uh, rye barrels being produced out in California next month or this month, actually, um, uh, things like that. So, you know, and then, and then working with some, uh, newer distilleries to secure, uh, product for the future. When you talk about newer distilleries and you kind of talk a little bit about craft, those distilleries in their own are trying to, you know, get themselves up and going, but do you see some opportunity there? I, I guess the idea is where they're consigning or producing something maybe to a blend that you would like or a personality that you would like? Uh, there's that opportunity. Um, there's also kind of maintaining some consistency. So we're doing a little bit of both where, where we're, we're distilling stuff that matches mash bills we've used. And then we're doing some experimental mash bills. When you talk about supply, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm always curious as to how bottles or stoppers or even getting labels done. How is that impacting what's going on in, in your world? Um, well, labels are probably the least of our worries. Uh, they have been challenges in terms of, um, you know, sometimes where there, there used to be a two week turnaround, you're now looking at four to six weeks, but there's plenty of different options for, for label producers. We still use the same two, but that one's not as challenging. Glass has probably been the biggest challenge. Um, you know, there, there's not a lot of production in the U.S. as much as we try to buy um, U.S. bottles. and um, you know, demand really increased over the last couple of years and production hasn't increased to keep pace with it. And then you're, you're dealing with, you know, international shipping issues that, um, you know, that have, that have plagued pretty much every item, um, you know, items that, you know, cost, um, you know, $5,000 a container load three years ago now cost 25,000. That's kind of coming down, but even at, at some points last year, it was a question of, um, can I even get what I need? Um, so we, we had been sourcing our, our bottles from two different suppliers around the world, and neither of them could deliver anything to us. Wow. And, and we were fortunate enough to be able to buy a different bottle that, was, that happened to be available in the States. And, and we bought a bunch of those and, and shifted to that with the idea that, you know, while it wasn't ideal to change the shape of our bottle, um, the liquid inside was still good and the labels were the same. 
And of course, everyone who made a comment about the new bottle liked the new one much better than the old one, even though our decision to use it was purely based on availability. And of course, after getting that feedback, I couldn't buy any more of those bottles. <laughs> <laughs> so we, 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 we roll with that and, and being a small company and, and using a lot of great small distributors around the country, we're able to communicate that and people understood what was going on and, you know, a lot of support out there. So we were, you know, we're just rolling through that. Like I said, you become more zen. You've, you've gotten some awards and some accolades along the way. What has been or what have been some of those aha moments for you where you really got that recognition or that feedback that what you're doing, you're on to something? Well, so I, I've long believed that that sales are greater than awards. Um, and, you know, you might have seen my press release that stated all, all awards are bullshit, except the ones <laughs> I didn't I see that. You brought that up. I did. <laughs> <laughs> except the ones I win. Um, but there, there's, there's certainly a subjective viewpoint to all these awards. Not to say that I'm not immensely proud of all the awards we have won. Um, you know, they're, they're a little, little nod to what we're doing. And, 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 and that's, that's really cool and, and keeps us, you know, on, on top of people's, you know, minds and thinking about what to buy and all that. Um, but it, it's, it's been cool. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's directly helped sales, but, but it, it certainly leads, uh, you know, people to talk about what we're doing. And it's kind of cool for me, uh, World Whiskey Awards named us the, Best American Rye, um, which was nice. I mean, again, very subjective, but but always cool to be in that conversation. Um, they also named us as an icon in American independent bottling, which is which is also kind of cool, especially knowing the you know the good company that we keep in, in that world. So I, we've held off this far, I'm, and I've been patient. Like I said, I haven't tried anything that you sent over. Um, you haven't tried it yet. Okay. No. So I'm curious is if, if we were to start somewhere, where would you recommend we go first? I, I would start with, with the Deadwood bourbon. Okay. It, it's most approachable. Um, we do, we do a Deadwood bourbon and a Deadwood rye. Uh, we refer to those guys as our American table whiskey, you know, good whiskey you can drink every day, all day. Uh, retail on a on a normal bottle, seven fifty is between twenty and twenty five dollars. So you know, but it, but it's all solid whiskey. The bourbon is all distilled uh, in Indiana, seventy five percent corn, twenty one percent rye, a little bit of barley. We bottle that at at a real approachable eighty one proof. And and I like to think of that as as a you know good solid bourbon. Um, Nothing more, nothing less. What's exciting for me is, as we talked, we met at Widow Jane, and you were there for their evening extravaganza, and we got to talking. Like I said, that just our little time wasn't enough, but this is the first time I'm having the opportunity to enjoy your spirits and and be able to talk to you about you know how you came about, you know where you're sourcing, you know mash bills and, and the like. How did you come up with some of these names? This is Deadwood. You got Tumbling Dice. Talk about it. You're in branding and marketing. So I feel like I'm picking your brain from, you know, the idea of how you're putting all this together. Um, it didn't really start with a plan. Um, you know, Deadwood started with the idea of, of using the dead man's hand on a label and realized that that story, if you're not familiar with the, uh, while Bill Hickok was playing playing poker in a saloon, and uh, something happened along the way, and he was shot shot dead, and the four cards that were exposed in his hand were aces over eights, forever known as the dead man's hand. That happened in a saloon in Deadwood, so that's kind of where that name came from, and then we just evolved in, into the you know into the tumbling dice and roulette. And, and cross-border jackpot. And, and some might know that I'm a really bad gambler. So I, I my, my whiskey habit supports that. There's, there's gotta be some personality there, right? There's, there's always this underlying story, you know, just to kind of give more perspective to it. I'm, I'm enjoying the nose on this and as it's 81 proof. So there's not a lot of ethanol pushing into the nose 
And, and I think as you you know talked about, this is something that could be a very easy daily drinker. Um, you know, you could take this, add it to some cocktails, but very, very minimal because you don't want a lot of those flavors overwhelming the, the, the juice in the bottle. Yeah, just a really simple, approachable whiskey, but it's got some great flavor. Uh, 75% corn brings you into more traditional. This is what I expect bourbon to taste like. The rye certainly gives it flavor, but it's not overpowering as, as the high rye uh, mash bill is. I do get that sweetness from the corn. There's a lot of grain flavor that comes across here. And that rye, it really, it's, it's got this cinnamon, this baking spice. It really opens up your, your mouth. It's, it's not heavily viscous, but it really lingers, especially front to back on the tip of the tongue and the back of the throat. Um, I, I, I get a sense, at least for right now, your personality is that that rye that rye seems to to find its way into your juice. There's there's a little bit of rye, yeah, yeah. You could say that. And the other fun thing, and I'm I'm sorry I didn't send you a, a sample. We we have a a bottling called the Representative, which is the same mash bill, um, only it's a minimum of four years old as opposed to two. And we bottle that one in barrel proof. And and the fun thing about that is we can showcase, hey, this is what happens to the whiskey after a couple more years and and at a higher proof. Uh, and it, it leads to, I think, you know, cool discoveries about whiskey and the process and, and kind of what, what we do at Proof & Wood on that note. A little bit of mintiness in the back. And as you continue to sip this, that oakiness and that personality of the wood does start to impart I even get a little cedar on 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 the mouthfeel on the palate there too. Mm-hmm. Talk about you know I, I'm giving you my perspective, and I know you don't have any there. I mean, are there tasting notes or characteristics that, that come across to you, and as you blended this together and put this together, that you know some of the things that you were looking for? Well, the the great thing about that, especially that that young of a whiskey, is it really showcased what the distillery is doing. Um, you know, I like it. But beyond that, I'm not I'm not meddling with that other than saying we want this one to be even more approachable. So we're going to bottle it at 81 proof. This is why I enjoy these conversations. I learn more and I get more insight and it makes me I I hope it does a better whiskey drinker. So um, we all learn something, something every day. Yeah, Um, Thank you. Thank you for that. And then again, the the barrel proof version is is more in line with what I like to drink. So you would go to that higher proof. I'll tell you, as you said, and really what comes through is this is the uh, personality. This is what the the grains and this is what that comes through right at that proof. It, it really, you really get a chance to enjoy those grains. Cool. Glad you like it. Which one should we go to next? We're going to go to roulette next. I love the size of this. Talk You've about got big hands. Size. What, what happened there? Oh. <laughs> yeah, look at that. Um, I love this. Talk about. Is this the one? This is a, what a two fifty milliliter, two hundred, two hundred milliliter. Is this the only size you produce as Ryan? Or uh, no, we do seven fifty. Okay, good. All right, so this is gonna. This is your love of rye. Talk about this rye, the roulette rye. This is a hundred proof. This it, is a four year. It's four years old, hundred proof. Um, it is all Indiana, ninety five percent rye, five percent barley. What was the decision? I mean, talk about, you know, it's a high rye, obviously. Why not 100% rye? Um, You know, anything else like that? Again, that is the classic MGP mash bill. Uh, 95% rye, 5% barley. Now, the barley does impart some, some good flavor notes into it. My understanding is the barley was mainly there to help fermentation. I always um, pick up a smokiness, no matter what that Nashville barley is. And maybe that's just my impression of what I'd like to taste. But there's this little hint of smokiness that lingers. Yeah, I think, I think I think I think we all all are led by that. No doubt. Um, whether it's really there or we're just we're, we're, we're just making that up. It's, it's a common thought that 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 flavor is coming through there. Um, and. Again, my understanding is this was originally meant as a blending 
ingredient. Um, I, I believe it, it was, and maybe is still found in crown Royal, but that was kind of the beginning of it. And the, the rye is just great. Um, and, and so the roulette is what I think is our best value. Four years old, a hundred proof. It was meant to be used for cocktails. It's fine. It's great on its own, but uh, it stands up well in a Manhattan, a Boulevardier, kind of any any classic cocktail, old fashions, if you want, and and that'll retail for around thirty dollars. On the nose, even on the flavor with this rye, I pick up this sour note that just comes and goes away very quickly. A little bit of chocolate, a little bit of that those those delicious, wonderful um, floral rye notes in the palate. I don't find this to be at hundred proof and a rye at a at ninety five percent rye to be that punch of spiciness. Um, it's more of a warming experience. It's more of a hug than it is heavily on that black pepper or heavy on that you know burning mouth feel or, or even yeah. going down. Rye, rye is tricky because again, we, we use really basic things to talk about whiskey where, you know, bourbon is sweet and gritty and rye is spicy and hearty, which there's truth to that, but you know, rye is, is related to wheat. So you're going to get some sweetness out of it. Um, and, and you can still pick up those floral notes at, at, at four years old. They're, they're even more pronounced, I think younger. Um, so it's a little bit, different than what you expect it is it's it always, delicious it, it always has been um but i think again as it as it gets older it starts developing a little more to what you're thinking of in terms of rye and and on that note like poor poor little senator because the senator is the same exact mash bill i'm yeah. curious for you as we as we pour the senator you have a love of rye i i see right talk mm-hmm. about are there are there producers of rye right now that, you know, you're excited and you're interested as to what they're doing? It's, uh, it's mind boggling right now. Um, it, you know, again, like I said, I like to be really simple and, and the world was much simpler 10 years ago with our selection of rye. Um, and now there's so many cool things being, being done. You, you know, you, you can look at, uh, the Leopold brothers out in Colorado doing some really cool stuff with their three chambers uh, still and blending stuff with, with Dickel rye. Um, there's a lot of people doing a real estate grown rye, farming their own rye, uh, playing around with different varieties of rye. Um, so you get some great new flavors Um I had one, I can't think of the name of the distillery, but they're up in Minnesota. They make they, they're Northern Minnesota. They, they grow their own rye, just fantastic stuff. And, and so like anything else, it it's worth, it's worth exploring things that are out there. Have you had anything uh, produced uh, from Rosen rye yet? Um, probably. I, I can't think of it. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, again, if we want to, if we want to, you know, tip our hats to, to uh, not no pun intended, but Dad's hat in, in Pennsylvania is doing some cool stuff. Um, you Especially know. with the Monongahela style, and I, I think that that's really helped to put that style back in the the lexicon uh, of what got lost for a while. And they make a, a tremendously wonderful ride. Absolutely. Now this is in the bottle. It's one seventeen point nine. Mm-hmm. And so this is the barrel proof of you, as you said, of the roulette rye. Yeah, that's one way of looking at it, certainly. Give me the other way. <laughs> it's the Senator rye. Okay. Yeah. It's the same exact rye. It's the same mash bill. It's the same same source. This one is just not proof. This one's where it was. This is not proof down. Yeah. And it's two years older. I have to say, like you, that that initial mouthfeel, that initial flavor being proved higher is what I tend to gravitate towards now. I don't get as much of those floral notes as it comes across the palate, yeah. but I do get a lot more of those baking spices, clove and cinnamon and, and, and those things that become pronounced through it. I think this particular rye shines the best between six and, and 10 years old. Uh, you get 
a really good balance of uh, more developed flavors from the wood, but you're, you're still tasting that underlying spirit. Um, and, and I think, you know, a lot of spirits, particularly American whiskey, though, there's a progression. Um, you, you start with, um, again, you've got younger whiskeys where the, the, you know, they haven't, you know, truly developed yet and they could be really good. And I think this whiskey is really good young, but when you get to this age, it's kind of like it's, it's peak moment where you get that great balance between spirit and wood. Um, and then after say 10 years, you might get a really elegant, elegant spirit, but you're getting a lot of wood flavor. And you might not even know what the underlying spirit is if, if you're tasting it blind in some cases. And then you get to the point where it's obtaining too much wood and it starts going the other way. What um, I've enjoyed here is that you get I get peaches in the roulette and then I feel like I get grilled peaches in the senator. That's just something that comes out. Talk to, you know, the idea is that like I feel like this rye, the roulette rye is that wonderful, hey, this is my first date and this is, I'm making my best impression, but I've been dating this person now for a number of years and now we're getting married. And the Senator's showing up in in the tuxedo and and the wedding outfit, because as you said, this is at at that point where six years is, this is the perfect expression of mixing the wood with the grain, with the blending and everything else that's going on, the distillation. This is just delicious. Thank you, glad you're enjoying it. Uh, and, and the other thing that comes up a lot when when people taste the the barrel proof products is that they expected them to be hotter. And, and an interesting thing about well made whiskey is you know where the the proof changes why because we're adding water, right? So at barrel proof we're not watering it down, and you're getting that full intensity of the flavor. And what'll happen is that flavor will overpower oftentimes any imperfections, any heat that you might think is there. And, and I, you know, often people will say this tastes like less proof than the one I just had that's low. I agree with that. You're right. You, you feel it, you know, as it's going down, you you know, your throat perhaps and through your chest and and, and all that. And maybe you'll feel it really, you know, an hour later when you try (laughs) to stand up, not realizing what you were drinking, but but a good mate, good whiskey can be great at barrel proof. And the other cool thing about barrel proof is everyone's palate is different, um, and also different times you want to drink differently. And so with a barrel proof product, you can add water or ice as you choose, not how I choose. Um, so that's always kind of cool. Like if you want to put half water into your barrel proof whiskey, go right ahead. You want to drink it straight with no water, no ice, no mixer. That's great too. You know, choose your own adventure. That's one of the things that this just came up in another podcast that we talked about that whiskey is one of those few things as a consumer, as a drinker, you have control. over. You know, you're not going to change the flavor of wine by proofing it down. But whiskey, as you said, you can add water, you can add ice, you can add a little mixer. You can create your own adventure to how you want to drink that bottle. You can't do that with beer. You can't do that with other things. Oh, uh, you could. <laughs> uh, and and again, it go, goes back to uh, you know, it, it's fun when when I when I drink beer with people who are you know beer experts. They're not putting ice cubes in there, though, are they? Well, Please tell me no. <laughs> you know, if you drink a sour beer, you may or may not like it. And then, then they'll, you know, somebody will explain, well, you know, back in this day, they were mixing, you know, sours with other beers. And you do that and, oh, well, this is different. I like, I like, the, I, I like a little hint of sour, but I don't know if I like this whole sour beer. And like, oh, yeah, you, you can do that. So don't be afraid. All right, thank you. I appreciate I, I appreciate you changing, you know, the, the mindset just flipped 180 so I can go a different direction. Another I've never, thought, I, I've never thought about taking a sour and mixing that with anything else. So I'm going to look to try that. Maybe next time we're opening some sours and some different beers. This journey with the Senator, I get sweetness. I get the spiciness. 
then there's this wonderful enjoyment of oak. There's some tannins that come out. There's some dryness that finishes up as it goes down and, and leaves that, that tingling sensation. This is a wonderful journey. So thank you. Thank you for cool. that one. Well, and, and, you know, to go back a little bit, that's why it was named the best American rye by the world whiskey awards. And although it's more about the sales than it is about the awards, you're, you're humbled and gracious for that award. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, we, we have some different, and I'm curious, how did this one become the Senator? Um, good question. Uh, so we have a, a series of whiskey called the, uh, the DC collection. And again, uh, I did not sit down with a blank piece of paper and say, we're going to create the DC collection. Um, it was somewhat of a collaboration and, and as mentioned before, it, it, one of the great things about this industry is, is the friends you make and the, and the great people that you get to work with. My distributor in, in D.C., who I've known for about a dozen years now, he came to me at some point. It was maybe 2014, 2015, and, you know, was talking to me about how in D.C., where he grew up, uh, the inauguration, presidential inauguration is always a big party, no matter who wins. And to celebrate that, can, can I source a four-year-old whiskey and an eight-year-old whiskey? And we call it one term and two term. So we did that in, in 2016. And um, we, we had a four-year-old rye and an eight-year-old bourbon. And, and we, we named it Presidential Dram. And we did a, a one-term and a two-term version um, and, and basically launched it in D.C. only. And, you know, politics aside, we, we just talk about good whiskey in a bottle. Um, and that's another thing. D.C. has always been known as a great hospitality town. You know, doesn't matter, you know, which way you're leaning. The people in the hospitality business take care of their customers. And, and so that was kind of the genesis behind it. And it was pretty successful. And so we just started expanding upon that. Um, and, and we launched uh, the, the Ambassador, which was a really limited edition 12-year-old bourbon. And, and then we did the Justice. We did two batches. It was a 14- and a 16-year-old Tennessee bourbon. Um, and then the Senator came next as a six-year-old um, rye whiskey. And then we have the representative, which is a four-year-old bourbon whiskey. And the, the rep and the senator, like, like the real reps and senators are always for sale, we like to say. Um, See, and you said you weren't going to get political. <laughs> well, that, that's a nonpartisan comment. No, is it you're not? right. You're right. <laughs> and then we just did this, and this is, this is a D.C. only Happen to have a bottle here. This is the cabinet. And uh, that is, I, I guess you'd call it a boo rye. It's uh, three older ryes and one bourbon that we bottled. Um, did about 150 cases and just released that. So, we're, you know, part, part of it is having fun and, and making tasty things. So that I love, your, I love your mindset and the way you brand things and the way you thoughtfully and methodically. I mean, like you said, it. Sometimes you just don't, you know, it's a DC collection and you don't sit down with a plan, but it seems like that little spark of an idea becomes a whole series of things that now you've excited people for and they want more. And you've created this fan base that says, I trust you. I know what you're producing and I can't wait to see more from what you're doing. Thanks. And, and that's, that's a real privilege that, that, that we get that, that, um, you know, there are some things that we have to go out and, and really showcase and sell. And there's other times that people go, that sounds cool. We trust you. We'll take it all. Like, oh, okay. It's not that I easy. feel that way from the first three expressions that you're, you know, I'm getting in the car with you. Where are we going? And, you know, I know the destination is going to be worth the, the drive and worth the trip. Um, given that, we've got, which way should we go next? So the Tumbling Dice is one of my favorite mash bills. Again, uh, LDI. It's so much chocolate on this nose. Yeah, Holy you'll get that. cow. And um, it's it's 60% corn, 
So you've got that sweet bourbon backbone and then 36% rye, a little bit of barley in there as well. And it kind of gives you um, the best of both worlds. And, and depending on where it hits your tongue, sometimes you'll get, you know, the, the sweetness of the bourbon is a backdrop for the spice of the rye to pop out. And other times you'll get the opposite. Well, you'll hit, get the, all those sweet notes with the backdrop of the spice. And I'm getting cherry. I'm getting this creamy chocolate. This And it's a creamy mouthfeel on the finish. And out of all the expressions, this is the one that I find is making my mouth water um, and, and, and playing on just the warmth and, and everything, the tannin, the oak. This is just a wonderful balance of everything going on. Cool. Glad you like it. Like I said, one of my favorites, we also do a four-year-old hundred proof as more of an everyday thing. These are almost exclusively sold as single barrels. And, uh, and we're trying to, we're trying to take care of a thirsty country. <laughs> that should be on a t-shirt. I like that one. That should, you know, we're trying to take care of a thirsty country. So, you know, as a single barrel, how often are you releasing this expression so that there's enough there to keep the masses happy? Um, we're constantly bottling them when we, we think they're ready. And then we, and then we, we send them out to the market to, for people to choose which they like best, which is another, another fun thing. Um, you know, their, their profiles are, are generally so different, even, even with barrels that, that were born on the same day, um, and, and sat in the same warehouse because, uh, you know, all wood is not the same. Uh, amongst other things. So, and it, it's interesting to see um, people who love one barrel that somebody else absolutely hated, you know, and again, it's personal profile, profile, you know, some people like something more woody, some people like more sweetness. Um, and it, it's, it, it's kind of cool to see. Your point, this is one of those things where I would love to, you know, enjoy a series and let's say have a tasting night with people and say, hey, what did you think of, you know, all right, these are three or four as they come out. I can certainly see why people would be lining up for that next iteration to see where it fits. Is this going to be my new favorite? Is this going to be, you know, a, uh, a way of understanding that last one was as good as it was? Where are you distributing and where can people find what you're producing? We're in about 25 states uh we're working on having some more availability in pennsylvania um as you know the 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 government controls everything and that's never fun um and and there's there's a couple of online uh sites that will deliver to other other markets that we're not in now i poured the last one as which is the cross border um, okay. that's the, that's the triple sevens on the, uh, on the, on the label. Right. I, I keep forgetting that, you know, there's so many little nuances of history on each, uh, each, each label here, each bottle. So I, I don't want to miss a story if there is one. So again, the, the opportunity, I had the opportunity to buy different, different whiskeys and, was able to last year uh, purchase a couple of things that were distilled up in Canada. And, you know, there's always some, some backstory. Um, the black velvet brand was sold from one big company to another. And, and there were all these barrels of whiskey that were aging that, that they didn't know what they were going to do with. So we were able to buy some, I get a seven-year-old uh, Canadian blend and seven-year-old Canadian rye. And, and so I also had some seven-year-old uh, American rye, the same stuff as in the center. And the Canadian blend is majority corn. So it's got a, it, it's kind of sweet. It's also, you know, finished in, in used barrels up in a, in a colder atmosphere. So it, it maintained a lot of the, the sweet qualities of corn developed a little 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 unique properties as it aged and and then we we used that as a backdrop for the spice of the canadian and the american rye to to put something a little bit different in the bottle but it, it's definitely a, a rye drinkers uh blend 
This is such a wonder. I'm, I'm glad we did this last. This is such a wonderful change of pace to where you get that Canadian influence. So much of a different sweetness on the palate that comes through. Again, I'm going to call you Rye Dave because <laughs> I, I think that you know everything that you you know have have put together. There's you want to make sure there's that personality of Rye in there. Um, and I and I think you know whether that's accurate or not. I think that really comes through still in drinking this particular expression. Yeah, now you're making me feel bad that I, I didn't send you some of the other. <laughs> you were very gracious, and I'm humbled by what you have sent to share and enjoy. And um, we can't wait to bring some other people over to to, to try these and, and help them become fans as well. I I really enjoy that sweetness, that dryness, the the ride that comes through. There's so much personality. And that's why I said, I'm glad that we tried this one last, because I think this would have been really overshadowed once we got into the other, you know, even the barrel proofs and the other expressions. Cool. I'm glad you like it. And, and it's, you know, it's really been fun to to stretch my legs a little bit and, and do something other than put really good whiskey that I bought from MGP into a bottle, which, you know, it's it, it's something to be proud of, but but this is different. This has got its own unique personality that you're not going to find in another bottle. Um, on that note, if you want to try the funk, because that's got that's got a little bit of everything in there. And- oh, we will try the funk. We're not missing out on the funk. <laughs> I'm curious. Um, with all the stuff you're doing, Dave, are, are there plans to do um, you know secondary barrel finishes, things like? Um, port or maple or honey or sherry? Are there things that you're looking to do or have done in the past? Uh, There are things I'm looking to do. I've I've shied away from some of those finishes because I'm not at the, the warehouse on a daily basis. And it's concerning that, that I'll, I'll over, I'll overfinish some things. And I'm sure you've tried some whiskey that, that have, have, so do you have, um, did I send you the funk or did you get the Exodus? I got the Exodus, which okay, so you, on you, the you, back says powered by of pots. Yeah. Powered by, fun, yeah. Powered by the funk, which is, okay. um, which is another seventies, uh, funk band. <laughs> yeah. Hang on a second. I'll, I'll grab a bottle if I can. Okay. The this green is, label is the is, funk. This, this is, is the, Exodus rum, what we're drinking now. This is a funk and, and a little background on that because it dovetails into what you were talking about with a rye influence. Um, again, I've had the, you know, the privilege to be able to buy cool spirits and, and play around with them. And a bunch of years ago, uh, a broker that I deal with had a bunch of Jamaican columns distilled rum that had been aging in Canada for three years. And we don't really know why or what was going on. We just knew it was available. And, you know, column distilled rum is often just really basic. It's rum. Um, And it didn't have a ton of character, but it was rum. So the thought was, well, I've got a lot of what? Empty rye barrels. So what if I brought that from Canada down to Kentucky and put them in the rye barrel. So that's what we did. And about a month later, we pulled a sample and the rye barrels had completely overpowered the rum. It was really light because it was aging in ex-Canadian whiskey barrels and it pulled a lot of color from the once used rye barrel. More importantly, it pulled a ton of flavor and you almost couldn't tell it was rum anymore. So the thought was, let me go and get some pot still rum from Jamaica and also age that in Kentucky in what rye barrels and then blend them together like a traditional Jamaican blend of pot and column distilled. Um, so I did that. I, I called my friends down at Worthy Park and, and bought a bunch of uh, totes of rum of various ages and and styles and some of it was unaged heavy pot still which is kind of more of a classic jamaican uh flavor feel and it showed up in the warehouse in kentucky i got a call from the warehouse manager said dave uh, i think we have a problem what's the problem what's the problem and the response was i've never smelled anything this awful (laughs) 
<laughs> so, um, you know, and, and you've got some of these great flavors of uh, overripe vegetables and citrus and um, grassiness and whatnot, but it's a 300 gallon tote uh, at about 160 proof. And so, especially if you've never really experienced that before, it's going to be a little overpowering. So he sent the sample up to me and, and I tried it and, and brought the proof down to about a hundred proof. And, and what we found in the funk, which was, you know, distillate off the still, no aging at all, that it gave you kind of all the flavors you'd expect from a Jamaican pot still rum while at the same time being approachable. And, and here's another spirit that was originally intended as a blending agent. But, but it had a great feel, and I felt it was kind of like training wheels to that whole world of, of Jamaican funk. So we bottled that as the funk. And again, as well, you can kind of see in the background, little barrel head, that was, I think it was in 2020, we were awarded the uh, best of category for rum by the American Craft Spirits Association. Again, another award. High accolades. Great job. <laughs> Buy more, please. Yes. <laughs> that, that, that was kind of an offshoot of, of what we were trying to do. But that's been a, a fun product. And um, definitely, you know, it, it sure it's, it introduces people to the category. It's also great as a modifier into a tiki style drink. It adds a lot of depth to it. And then there's a couple of bars out in Oakland where uh, if the bartender loves or hates you, you'll get a shot of the funk. So, so all right, you have the funk, but then you have the Exodus, which, which is what we're trying. So mm -hmm. where does that become a little bit different than the funk? So the Exodus is a blend about 70% of that column distilled Jamaican rum that we first talked about. Um, and then the other 30% is all pot still rum. And there's, uh, all of it has been aged in Kentucky for no less than two years, um, simply because that's where I felt it was ready to go. Um, some of that rum had been aged in bourbon casks in, in Jamaica for two and three years, and some of it was the funk completely unaged. Uh, and then so we put it in rye barrels and then kind of blended it to create a balance. Um, it's designed as an American whiskey drinker's rum. I was going to say that this is if you're a dress, if you're a whiskey drinker, this is a perfect rum for you. This is delicious. I, I I've been nosing this and I've gotten this fruitiness and juiciness and banana and pineapple mm -hmm. and there's some funk there, but it's what I would like to have in a rum. And tasting it, there was less of that flavor profile that came through, but it was a nice transfer. In other words. The, yeah. There was a, there was a higher character on the nose than there was on the mouthfeel, but I am so loving the way this rye barrel takes over and the, 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 the marriage between the rum and the rye barrel. Yeah, that was, that was by design. I'm glad, glad you picked that up. Um, and, you know, we bottled it at 84 proof. It's very approachable and you, you get all those whiskey flavors when you're drinking it, but the finish, you're going to get that hint of funk. Um, and, and so again, that that's designed for the American whiskey drinker to kind of, to kind of veer off and try some rum, um, for the rum drinker, we've also been bottling just the pot still that's aged in both Jamaica and Kentucky. So we've got, um, we've got one we call two, three, which is a two-year-old pot still from Jamaica that we aged in Kentucky for three years. And we have a three-year that was aged in Kentucky for two. So those appeal more to the, to the, you know, intense rum drinker who wants to taste more funk and wants a different expression. And when you get into um, Caribbean rum, you know, there, there's, well, there's two styles, there's Caribbean age, and then there's continental age, which a lot of it is, is finished. It, it's eight, you know, distilled in the Caribbean and then sent to, whether it's Amsterdam or, or the UK where it finishes aging and you're going to get, you know, between the heat and humidity, you're going to get really different styles from that. 
So ours is is Kentucky aged. So a little bit little bit different on top of that. And and one of the things I guess that we're learning and and we're experimenting with is is barrel entry proof. A lot of times in the Caribbean, because they get so much evaporation, they they enter into the barrel at a much higher proof. Whereas we stick to between 110 and 125 once we get it from Jamaica. So you're getting probably less barrel astringency, a little bit more sweetness coming out of the barrels, things like that. This, even as you talked about rum, and we've been talking for about 45 minutes about whiskey and bourbon, this is just such an education about rum and, and understanding how you've created what I would consider almost like a niche product in, in the rum world. And I know people have done stuff, but to me, this is so unique to what I've had before or have ever had in rum. I don't want to lose sight of the fact that even as I sip it, you still, I'm thinking I would love just very simple, maybe like a little daiquiri out of this, um, you know, sipping this around the fire, just sipping this on the beach, sipping this on the deck. But you can also do a little bit with mixers. I wouldn't throw a lot of flavor on there because you want to enjoy what's coming out of the bottle. Yeah, I think so. But it you know, goes back to um, everyone's got their own approach to it. So we, I, I like to do this and then see what bartenders do. And it's kind of fun to watch. Great point. Um, you know, for, for where you are now, I mean, you talked about some things that you've done in the past or um, have, have released. What in the future could people look forward to with, uh, with what you're doing in, in Proof and Wood? Um, I think we'll be, we'll be experimenting with more blends. We're probably going to do another version of the cabinet next year. Uh, we we've done, you know, uh, some real limited runs. I had some 25 year old American light whiskey that we bottled two years ago. And then we based a blend around that called vertigo, um, which, which was a lot of fun to do again, to take these flavors out of the barrel and, and try to create something new and interesting. Um, then I've got some long aged, uh, unique whiskey. We've got some 21 year old rye. Um, we bottled some 21 year old, uh, Canadian blended whiskey, which we call good day, uh, this year. Um, just trying to bring some fun things out there. And then, um, there's another project I'm involved in. Uh, we're again, trying to take, take what we've learned from whiskey and bring it to tequila. So that'll, that, that'll be an, an you brought a big smile on my face, Dave. <laughs> that'll, that, that'll be something that'll be talked about a little bit more next month. Okay. Now here's the thing. When you mention all those things, go to your website, which is proofandwood.com, mm-hmm. right? And when you go to Proof and Wood, there's an opportunity to subscribe to an email newsletter. And from there, I would imagine and guess that as you have updates and product launches, people will get uh, updates and or people will get notifications on that, right? Yeah, thanks for reminding me because we've been really, really... <laughs> Really, um, Dave, work on the website. <laughs> yeah, really behind the curve on that, and and part of it is because we have such a great group of distributors who gets our product out to where it needs to go without a lot of you know formal marketing effort. But we're trying to trying to help them a little bit by 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 tuning that up and 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 actually sending a newsletter out. So. so- yeah, I mean, there's that. And you also have, I'm, I'm sure you're on the socials. How do people find you on the socials? Uh, again, really, really, really backwards on that. <laughs> um, I, I've got a personal Facebook page that that I generally use for, for business. And then there's an in- Instagram, which I think is under D. Schmier Proof and Wood. And, and we, we talk about things there too. Again, it's mainly a business account. Um, and, and we're fortunate that a lot of our fans talk about what we do. So our social media strategy is reposting stuff. Um, But so far we can barely keep up with demand. So here's what I've learned about you today, Dave, that uh, you make phenomenal products, your spirits, your whiskeys, your rye, your, your bourbons are amazing. 
we just need to help you with your social media. So, yeah. Well, again, you, the more you post, the more I'll, we'll be posted. I'll, yeah. I'll repost it. We'll, we'll be posted. Now this, so this has been a treat for me. And like you said, we met at um, widow Jane um, with Lisa Roper wicker. They were having this big extravaganza going along with bar convent, Brooklyn, a little celebration party. We had a little bit of time to talk and I am so grateful today that we've had a chance to uh, enjoy your expressions and learn more about them because here's what happens. And this is, you know, what we find on our fermented adventure all the time. We come across people, we're introduced to things we have not heard of yet or have not seen. And let's face it, when you look at the shelf and you see so many bottles, you know, it's, it's sometimes, well, where do I go? What do I start with? And, and now we got to talk and sit down with you who are, you know, who's creating these wonderful products. And, you know, now we're fans and people get a chance to listen to the podcast, see what we're drinking and experiencing. And, you know, maybe before they would not have tried something, but now they're like, oh, you know, how do I find that Deadwood, that Senator, the Tumbling Dice? Where do I find these? I want to try them too. Or you could just come to your house or you can come to our house and uh, we'd be more than happy to share what we have too. Uh, but but this is this is how it works. And to your, as you're saying, look, we hope that people or we like when people share on social media. The more people see that and it's a an advocacy or it's I'm saying, hey, I put my name to this. I, I think you, you'd like this too. Right on. On that note, uh, another another shameless plug. Um, <laughs> one of one of the side projects, I guess, that I've, that I've been doing for many years is something called the Independent Spirits Expo or the Indie Spirits Expo. Uh, we started it in New York, uh, and we generally do an event in uh, in Chicago uh, as a standalone event. And we we did something with Tales of the Cocktail in July, and and that's kind of a forum for small brands to showcase what they're doing. And uh, I'll send you some information about that. Great. But but it's a great opportunity if you're in any of those markets to to taste stuff you wouldn't normally taste, whether it's mine or anybody else in, in, in this world. Well, to your point, and, and this is what you're doing. I mean, you're bringing stuff to the masses that they may not have ever had a chance to try or taste. You talk about these barrels aging in Canada that nobody knew why they were there. Or, I mean, you're almost like you rescued those barrels and gave them rescued a life. Them. No, you did. Yeah. I mean, you know, somebody else would have, you know, screwed that up. You know, but you knew and you had a sense of what you needed to do with them. And that's high praise for you. But the point to that is that, you know, here, here's what happens. You know, when, when, you, when you see some of these small craft producers and you see what they're doing to be introduced to them, those independent producers, to see what they're doing with stuff that you may, ne- you may never had had a chance to try it. You, you fall in love and, and you find new, new ways to enjoy things and do different things to enjoy. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a big world out there, and sometimes it's hard to figure out where to go. Uh, like I, I, I just uh, you know, if you need a, a you know a passenger, a shotgun on your next trip somewhere to taste stuff, um, I, I volunteer. <laughs> come if you Connecticut. By the way, you have to come through Pennsylvania to get to Kentucky unless you're flying. <laughs> this is true. We'll we'll definitely keep in touch on that note, and hopefully we'll be able to actually put some in Pennsylvania stores. We like that. And look, we're not that far from Jersey and Delaware too. So, uh, you know, there's there's certainly access in, in, in the New Jersey area. Dave, this has been a treat. I know we've talked about a lot on the podcast. Is there anything you added the uh, the indie spirits part of what you do? Is there anything else that we may have missed on the podcast you want people to know? We got to save something for next time. We'll save something for next time. Thank you so much for being a friend of Fermented Adventure. We are so glad that we got to spend some time with you today. Thank you for all these amazing expressions. Look, find Enjoy. find them at your local uh, store around you. Look for these products. Go to the website so you know what you're looking for and, and really try and give some feedback. Let everybody else know what you thought too and share on social media. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Dave. You're welcome. Thanks again. Cheers. <laughs>